Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's show, I was joined by Pat Wall, the head of competitive intelligence at Imperva. Pat gave me the lowdown on what he does to help Imperva compete and win in the hotly contested cybersecurity space. We dive into how past competitive content actually saved a reps deal with a $200 million customer just this week. Why Pat thinks trust might be the most important differentiator when it comes to winning in cybersecurity and what the heck the Friday Five is. Before we get into the episode, I would love it if you could please subscribe and leave a review for the show. I know I can't believe it's been almost 30 episodes and I'm yet to ask for one, but I guess self-promotion is not my forte. However, that would be greatly appreciated. means the world. Also, Make sure to come join us for our next live episode. These have been so much fun to run, uh, getting to connect with the listeners and opening the floor for all of your questions. For the next CE Live, I'm actually going to be joined by Alex McDonald, the Compete Leader Airtable, and Federico Jorge, the founder of Stack Against. And they're going to be breaking down the ins and outs of building a comparison page that will crush your competitors. Federico will walk us through some of the landing pages he's actually built for clients. And again, the floor will always be open for all of you as well. So you can sign up for the next show in the show notes below. And lastly, since we're on the train of some promotion here, if you haven't already, go check out our weekly Coffee and Compete newsletter penned by none other than the man pulling the strings behind the scenes of this podcast, Ben Ronald. Competitive strategies in five minutes or less, plus some of Ben's best or worst puns. What's not to love about that? The link for the newsletter is also in the show notes below. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right. Today, I am joined by Pat Wall, the head of competitive intelligence at Imperva. Before he started at Imperva, Pat was the director of product marketing at Neo4j and held senior sales and product marketing roles at Oracle and Tipco. Pat lives, breathes product marketing and everything competes. And since his current role lands him smack dab in the middle of the highly competitive cybersecurity space, we wanted to bring him on to teach us a thing or two. Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and excited for our chat. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. And today we're, we're going to dive into how competitive intelligence, competitive enablement experts compete through differentiation in specifically the uber competitive world of cybersecurity. But before we get into that, I want to get a little bit of insight into kind of your own professional journey, personal journey towards Compete. What was your gateway into product marketing? Yeah, I was actually a sales engineer at Tipco. Um, I came in to become a sales engineer. It was great. I got to talk to really massive Fortune 500 companies on data analytics. And while I was doing that, I was hanging out with the product marketers and they came to me and like, hey, Pat, you're really good at this data analytics. We have Salesforce. We're trying to get analytics out of Salesforce. We need some help. Can you help build us some dashboards? So I kind of did this little skunk project where I went off and helped them build these Salesforce analytics. And I was like, wow, these product marketers are really cool. They get to have both the customer interaction, but also the prospect and they help to build the messaging. And so... That kind of got me excited about product marketing. So then I moved over to product marketing and you know, I've been there ever since. And I love it. At what point did competitive become one of your responsibilities? Because you've held a lot of different product marketing roles um, and some product marketers don't lead competitive. Some do in adjacent to a bunch of other responsibilities. So when did Compete come 
fall onto your lap? It came right away. Um, one of the things was as a sales engineer, I was really big into competitive because you need to know your competition when you're a sales engineer, you need, when you're having those conversations with customers. So then I almost instantly brought that into the product marketing or, and help them kind of build that uh, competitive intelligence saying, this is how we need to compete. This is where we need to go. And actually having that sales experience was really great because it gave me trust within the sales org and also within the sales engineers. So is compete now your priority in, yep. in the product marketing scheme? Is that like, uh, how, how much of your role is now compete? I'm a hundred percent compete. I live, breathe and die competition. Um, I love it because it's one of those areas where you, you're across your whole organization. You're mostly focused on sales, but you get to work with product management, marketing, HR, everyone. It's really great to actually be a part of that. All right. So you've been in a bunch of different roles. Now you've got a wealth of experience in competitive strategy. What is one piece of advice that you would have given to that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Pat starting his world into compete when you when you were moving over from being a solutions engineer? You know, I think when I happened to go into product marketing, I went to this head of sales and we were talking. He's like, hey, I need silver bullets. I need the silver bullets for our competition. Give me the three silver bullets that will help. And I went back to my desk and I, for three weeks, worked it up and I got these three silver bullets. And I was so excited. And I brought it to the head of sales. I'm like, this is not what I want. I need, I need better silver bullets. I came back and I kept going back and forth. And after a while, I realized there are no silver bullets because there are no werewolves. Like, don't always try to focus on these three or four points that are going to completely dismay the competition. Instead, it's a complete package. It's having that whole ability to say, this is the kill points. These are the weaknesses. Um, these are some trap saying questions. And this is how we differentiate. And having that whole comprehensive solution, that's how you're going to compete. So I would say don't actually go over those silver bullets, but actually look at a much more comprehensive competitive intelligence. What did you do then when he is like, these silver bullets, meh, no bueno. Those are bronze bullets at best. Yeah. And so I went back and, I, and then after a while, I asked him, well, why? Like, why are, why are these not what you're looking for? And he's like, well, they don't show value. They don't, they didn't actually show the value of the product. And so then I said, okay, well, maybe it's not just three things. Maybe it's a comprehensive thing, part of it. And so then we started having those conversations about, okay, let's add in, you know, kill points and weaknesses and talk about pricing and making it. So it's, it's very across the board, not just here's three things to sell sales because every time sales is going to talk about those three things, but you need to actually show value and differentiate to actually win those deals. So in your opinion as well now, with, with this kind of experience under your belt, what is the difference between this old approach to competitive intelligence and sort of the newer way of approaching it with competitive enablement that you're, you're kind of conducting right now? Well, I think the old, the old way of competitive intelligence is like, you know, I have a battle card, it's a PDF. It gives a checkbox of the product function featurality. And here's some Harvey balls and we get all full moons and there's a couple of half moons for our competitors and maybe, you know, a quarter moon. And it doesn't really show that value differentiation. And I think the new competitive nailment is really having a partnership with sales and having partnership across the entire sales org from account reps to sales engineers who I love. I love sales engineers. I actually call them competitive ninjas because a sales engineer always wants to know more about the competitor all the way up to, you know, leadership within sales engineering and sales and having that partnership and gaining that trust for them to have. And, you know, then showing them here's our competitive differentiation and repetitively doing it with an ailment. Speaking to that point, then what was something you've done to build that partnership? You know, it's, it's gathering their feedback, right? I think sometimes some sales, some competitive intelligence individuals just want to actually build stuff. And if you build it, they will compete. And I, I don't believe that. I think it's more, you have to build it. You have to have conversations with them. You have to test it. You have to then 
enable them. We have a great sales enablement at Imperman, and I'm able to actually go on a lot of enablement calls and actually have conversations and show them. Here's some full examples of how people are using uh, our competitive intelligence at Imperva. It's sort of actually, it's a funny lesson that actually translates to my own role within content. It's like build it and they will not come. Like build it and will they, they will come is one of the most incorrect statements going around right now. I, we need to eradicate that from the vocabulary because that is not the case at all. You need to be bringing in, you need to figure out how you're distributing it, how you're getting buy-in, how you get people to care because it needs to matter to them. It's not just we've created all of these fancy battle cards, great messaging, come use it. Like it, that's not how it works in the real world. Um, we're going to get into sort of the sales relationship, sales partnership later on in the podcast, but I want to transition now to kind of applying the, the lessons you've learned and how you're competing, but specifically within this cybersecurity space. Cause this is, I find this one a really interesting space and one that is really competitive. So how has it been different to compete in the cybersecurity space compared to other areas that you've worked? I think one thing like cybersecurity space is, is, as you said, it's really hot and there's a ton of different cybersecurity companies out there and there's a ton of mind sharing. And so it's really having that ability to kind of cut through the weeds and actually show that, you know, this product that you have is going to be value and going to give return on investment for your customer. And so competing that way is it's a very consolidated market. There's a lot of competitors. So you need to understand, Hey, who are the competitors you're most competing against? And I think tiering your competitors is a huge area. I think sometimes people are like, Oh, we have 50 competitors. I'm like, okay, but you might 80% of the time, you're probably only competing against five or six different competitors. So you don't need 50 battle cards. And so that's where we can kind of help them and say, okay, let's tier this. Let's actually tier our competitors. Um, let's focus on our tier ones. Then we'll have tier two and tier threes. And then we can also have regional competitors as well. What's the process for tiering out competitors? How do you, how do you kind of define that criteria? I think it's a combination thing. I think it's looking at your data, your, your Salesforce data and your data and saying, okay, who are the competitors we're seeing most? And Salesforce, but it's also getting a sense of the market too and seeing, okay, who are the ones that our analysts are talking about? Who are the ones we're seeing in sales conversations? And also understanding, you know, where we're winning and where we're losing too. And if we're winning against a competitor, is, is that a reason why we should continue to win? And if we're losing, why are we losing as well? So as well in the cybersecurity space, it's, I feel like it's pretty damn high stakes. Like if you screw this up, like there is <laughs> serious ramifications for the people. So buyers are coming in and they're often motivated by big events as well. That could be security breaches, new regulation changes, et cetera. So these are high stakes events. Like how does that specifically affect your job when you're trying to inform people on, on how they should be talking to the buyer? Well, I think, you know, one of the things about competitive intelligence is it's also market intelligence. So you need to know what's happening in the market and you know what events are happening. And so what security breaches are occurring or what's the new vulnerabilities and having an understanding of how both ourselves can attack those vulnerabilities, but also how our competitors do as well and educating our sales reps and making sure that our sales reps have that information ASAP. And so that's one of the reasons why we brought on a competitive platform is because one of the reasons we, we had was there wasn't a great way to distribute all this information. So now we have a very easy way to distribute this and find this information very quickly. And then I can take that information. I can send it out via email or I can send it out via Slack and they can instantly see, okay, something happened or here's a new piece of information for me. Uh, what are you doing to keep the teams in the loops then? With uh, you mentioned that kind of a emails, Slack, like are there other channels? Do you share the information differently across these channels? Yeah, so I mean, what some of the things I do is like you know I'm on, I'm on a lot of different team meetings, so I'll actually talk about those individuals. Um, I use Slack a lot because it's very quick and easy. Also, we have what we call Friday Five, which is um, every week we have 
five pieces of information for our sales reps. And one of the things I like to keep in the, those Friday fives mostly is a competitive intelligence alert. Hey, here's something that happened to one of our competitors or something for us that you can use in a bit, bit of information. So every week they're getting some little tiny bit of competitive information. Can you tell me more about this Friday five? This is, this is interesting. What is Yeah, this? Friday five, it's basically it's an email where we send out five pieces of information for the sales reps. Um, and this can be anything from here, here's a new newsletter or here's a social post. Um, here's a competitive alert, something that gives them ability to say, Hey, this is really interesting. I should share this out with my prospects, with my customers. And so it's a really great way for them to see what's marketing marketing is doing, but also ways for them to actually send out information about it to their customers. Okay. So Friday five, you're putting something in the Friday five as, as the person in charge of competitive information. What, what are you doing to make sure that that information is accessible and then usable for the reps? Do you have like an example of something that you'd put in there that really helps reps just pick it up, pull, let's take and go? Because they don't have much time. They don't have much time. And so you, it has to be very short and very quickly. So one example maybe is when I launched a new battle car. Um, you know, I want to get that out very quickly and easy, right? You know, I want to make sure they understand that. Really quickly, I say, here's a new battle card, XYZ, and here's why it's important. I think a lot of times people send out information like, here's all this new piece of information, but why, why do they care? Like it, I, I ha, you need to show them why they care and why it's going to be valuable for them to actually go in and look at it. Okay. So the why it matters piece is key. I I'm really, I want to see one of these Friday five. I know you'll never let me see it, but I'm very, I'll, I'll, I'll let you see it. No worries. Nice. Um, what makes or breaks a deal in this competitive industry then? It's trust. I mean, you, you have to show the customer that they can trust you and they can show value from your product. Right. I mean, Cybersecurity is so important, right? We're protecting data, we're protecting applications, and they need to feel that they can trust you and understand that, hey, you know, you're a valued partner for them, and that this piece of information that they, this piece of software they're getting, is very valuable, and it's going to show return on investment. And it's going to protect them, and that's really what you know comes down over cybersecurity. It's a, it's a protection for them to have, so that they they don't have a data breach or they don't have a massive error. What do you do to differentiate on trust? Then it's not a tangible. Here's our feature that this company doesn't have. Here's our value prop that they don't have. Like trust is not, it's, it's not this like, yeah, tangible thing. So how do you differentiate on that? Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to differentiate. And so it's really showing that um, we're knowledgeable. Uh, we're thought leaders. And also we, we have the, you know, the services and, and the support organization that can help them when there is a problem, right? Because you, you, if you have a problem with your mission critical application and there's something happening to it or something happening with your data, you want to know that you can quickly and easily find someone you don't have to call five different phone lines or, you know, talk to someone in a different country very quickly and easily. You have that ability to see that individual and talk to them and say, I need this up and running because I'm losing thousands of dollars. And that's the ability to show them that and value that. What do you do to position that too? Because competitor X could say this exact same thing. So exactly. what do you do to position and really kind of earn that trust over time? You know, it's, 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 again, it's, and I keep going back to value because I think a lot of times people try to differentiate, right? And sometimes differentiating is just by showing that value, right? And showing that trust and saying, hey, this is why we're important, right? And this is why we're here and kind of educating them on this is what's happening in the market. And so it's, this is where, what's happening in the market. This is why you need this. This is how we're going to protect you. This is how sometimes being a competitor might protect you differently. And this is the way we think it's the best way of doing that. And I always try to compete with, a lot of people try to compete against, you know, throwing dirt. I say, let's mm. not throw dirt. You know, I think I'd rather compete on a way of saying, we're going to show you how we do it best and how we're going to help you to be that best, right? Instead of saying, hey, this is why XYZ doesn't do this well, or they have this problem over here. 
I like to be much more of a holistic view of, hey, this is how we're going to help you. What do you do when someone comes in and starts throwing dirt? You know, you, 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 you have to have those uh, abilities and you have to say, okay, yeah, we they throw this dirt, but actually they're, they're wrong and this is why they're wrong and this is how we do it and this is how we do it better. And you have to have the confidence to tell them that as well. Okay. This is sort of like uh, objection handling 101, which yeah. producer Ben in the background has been creating some absolutely stellar content on objection handling. So I'm going to give him a little plug on that. That's really cool. Why Why shouldn't you throw dirt on your competitors then in your perspective? I think it, I think it um, sometimes belittles you. It's not trying to show that, hey, you know, you don't need to throw dirt. You don't need to be those individuals that are like, hey, you know, we need, we need, the, we're desperate for this deal. So we're going to throw dirt on you and we're going to talk bad about it better instead i say let's take the higher approach let's actually talk about hey yeah they're they act sometimes i'll actually have they're actually a great solution for this if you need this particular solution but if you need something much more this is why you might go with imperva okay so it's like that's a almost pre-qualification there like yeah. are you is our product a fit for yes. your situation exactly. that's uh that's an interesting point are there examples of like throwing dirt like why have you had feedback that validates your reasoning for we sh- we should not be kind of taking these low blows so to speak and maybe in the competitor's eyes is like it's not throwing dirt we're just highlighting where they're not good yeah and so, well sometimes i mean sometimes you have to highlight where better is not good too right sometimes you have, the customers will ask you and i was on a call the other day and customer asked and i'm like this is not where i do but if you need to know it here are the things where we're better than the customer um, and so that's what validates too is on that nature is that, you know, sometimes you do have, if they ask for that, you can give them that, but I always give it to them in a much more higher level than saying, oh, they stink at this, or they're not the best here, or, you know, you shouldn't be going with them because blah, blah, blah. So finesse this thing. Exactly. Finesse. Finesse, subtlety. And again, I think that's kind of part and parcel of the, the original question here about trust. I think it's not just like a clear they suck at this. We're not doing a feature comparison. We're not doing a, we can do X, you can do Y. Like that is critical to the buying decision, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. And, and I think also the thing is like, that's where you get down into the technical bits and bytes. And then it becomes, it doesn't become about value. It becomes about price. In other areas is when you're like, Hey, this function versus this function versus this function. You really want to get much higher in the conversation when you're having those sales deals. I, I want to get to sales partnership, but there's actually someone I want to circle back to quick again sure. on terms of that, like the big events that happen and how you share that information out. That's not just like a small, like that's not just, oh, a competitor's changed their pricing model. It's it's a lot bigger than that. And so how yeah. do you share out something so big, but with the key, like you mentioned, making it usable and concise? We have to remember that sales reps and sales engineers, I mean, they get a ton of information sent to them all the time, right? There's mm-hmm. a ton of information coming at them. And so you can't send them too much information, right? Because they're not going to be able to absorb everything. So you have to piecemeal and you have to say, okay, what's happening in the market? Is this something worth actually sending out? Or is this something that I can actually, you know, put into a Friday five or put into another thing? Or is this something that's, hey, this is major happening right now. We need to send this out right away. And so that's, that's a distinction there is like, do I do it later in the week or do I do it immediately and if i'm doing it immediately it's more of what's the best mode of mode and so it might be myself who sends it out it might be hey you know this is so important that we actually want you know um our ceo to send it out or, or someone else as well our cro and so that's area of the world too and then also just the ma- making sure they understand why it's important right like the c- customer changes a pricing or if there's a uh, downtime of some nature these are things that you want to know and one of the things we we've done really well is we built a competitive Slack channel and it's been great because people are monitoring that. And when something hits, hits that people are always 
invested in that. So that's sort of the the channel that you've seen for uh, best pickup, best visibility. Then, absolutely, absolutely, people love people love that intelligence. That's that's really cool because you're talking about like tiering competitors before. Now it's almost you're tiering the importance of the information and the urgency of the information. Yeah. And you call it seems like you almost have a game plan with how it gets distributed and where it gets distributed based on that urgency and importance. Yeah. And also also regionally too, right? So there might be credit information that's happening where it's not worth sending it globally. So you know the, we send it maybe to the regional head. Okay, let's get into the sales part of this thing because I think the lifeblood of a competitive enablement program, a good one is having that tight partnership. I think you mentioned it right to the stars, taking the words right out of my mouth. Tell me about a time that your competitive content has helped a seller close a deal. Yeah, it actually, uh, last night I was actually having a conversation with a uh, sales rep and we were having the conversation and he was talking, thank God you invested in Clue and competitive intelligence platform. And he's like, it's great because I was on a call with a $200 million co- uh, company. We were having a conversation with them. We did discovery questions. We figured out who they were competing with. And then I instantly went into the platform, looked at the kill points, looked at the weaknesses, looked at the trap saying questions, started to have that conversation with them. And almost immediately they started to say, yeah, actually this might not be the best uh, competitor that we want to actually talk about. So like immediately they started having that ability. And I was like, this is great. This is awesome. So, I, and that was just really quick and easy. It was just one individual who just went into Clue looked it up quickly and had those conversations live. That is proof of concept. Are you sharing that example out now? With, with I, am, other actually, reps? I am. I actually am. So we're doing a video with the sales reps and the reps will be seeing it uh, momentarily. That's so cool. That is really cool to hear. That's an interesting story. And sorry, did the, uh, did the rep have like previously, was it almost, did they get caught off guard originally? Like, oh shoot, I don't know this competitor. Let me search it up. Or did they have like an inkling of who the competitor was? Let yeah, me dig it, more. They, they had an inkling of who the competitor was. It was one of our tier one competitors and they, they knew there was a battle card and clue and they just went right into clue, saw it right there while they're talking to the uh, prospect. And now that competitor is an afterthought for yeah. the deal. Yeah, we hope so. So we, th- we believe so. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. What about partnership with other teams then? Um, where, where else are you focusing your partnership efforts as well? Yeah. I think one of the things is, um, as competitive intelligence, like sales are lifeblood. We need to be with sales. We need to have that. But I think also there's other teams that need competitive intelligence and that are also great feed for us. And I think PM is a huge one. I think, you know, our product uh, management org is amazing. And I think getting, working with them to help to get feedback from them because they're talking to customers a ton. And also to help them with, you know, hey, here's what we're seeing in the market. Here's what we we think our competitors are going is a great place. Uh, marketing um, is also a huge place for us as well. You need to actually work with demand gen to make sure that, you know, they're building the right takeout campaigns. They're actually having the right SEO. And then interesting enough, a new one that's actually just came up is uh, human resources. So we're actually working with our human resources team. We're actually educating them on who our competitors are and who the market is for our recruiters. And when they're trying to recruit new individuals. They actually are understanding, okay, these individuals are competitors. These individuals are, you know, maybe our friends. These are our frenemies. So they get a whole understanding of the market as well. What happened to cause that starting point with HR? It's a new kind of relationship. I've, I've, I've never heard of that on the podcast. Um, so we, we have a great, uh, Paul, our, who's our head of HR, is amazing. He, he's very insight. And he's like, hey, you know, you're doing so much with competitive intelligence that we need to educate our recruiters because they're the sales of HR. And so we need to make sure that they understand our competition and understand that. And so we've been working together and we're building, you know, training for them. And it's been really, really powerful. What does that content look like then compared to uh, other content you provided? So it's not, it's not as technical. It's more, Hey, here's the competitors over. Um, but it does talk about, you know, what our strengths and what our, what their weaknesses are too. So when they can, they can have a informative conversation, 
And then it's also more about, hey, here's the market, right? Here's what we're seeing in the market. Here's the hot new startups that everyone's talking about in cybersecurity and going from there as well. That's so cool. So they're almost like depositioning competitors when they're in the hiring process. Because I mean, one of the biggest battles is getting the right talent in the door. Absolutely. It's a, it's a huge battle, especially now, you know, especially in cybersecurity, there's such a labor shortage that they actually, it's so hard. So they need to understand who's in the market, who's our competition and why, what's our value in differentiation. With that note then, like, so with sales reps, one of the best things for putting in your battle card, your competitive content is sort of like, you've got context and then also like social proof. So like sales rep example, you just mentioned of depositioning a competitor to other sales reps. Um, I'm sure you've got other elements of social proof within your competitive content. Is there anything you've incorporated yet in the HR related competitive material? Or is it more of an overview? It's more of an overview, but actually one of the great things we use is we use LinkedIn Insights, um, which is kind of this really great, powerful tool for LinkedIn. And it actually shows us a lot of information about what's happening in the market of cybersecurity from a hiring and perspective as well. So we're starting to use that as well as a way for tools for both. Here's different, here's social proof of what's happening in the cybersecurity market uh, via LinkedIn insights. That's really cool. Really cool. Um, yeah. With that said, I, I, I do want to touch, I want to go back to, I think we, we glossed over sales. I love that example. Uh, and then we dove into, again, HR caught my interest there, but I do want to go back to the, the sales partnership quickly. If you were to give advice to someone starting off a competitive program, what what would the what's the first thing they should be doing in order to build a partnership with sales? Um, it's easy to say, build a good partnership with sales, build it and they'll come. But we yeah. know that that's not what happens in in practice. In actuality, it's is a completely different ballgame. So, what would you advise someone who's starting with competitive enablement in their company to do to get that partnership? I think there's actually three points. Right, the first one is talk to sales. It's, it's a very simple thing, but actually get on calls and talk to sales, have conversations, ask them what they're hearing. I'm probably one of the most pestered individuals for sales. Hey, can I talk about, can we talk about this or what's going on with this better? You need to talk with sales and have conversation because they're the ones in the field. They're the ones, you know, gain that information. And so just have conversations, get, become, you know, a trusted advisor for sales. I think the second thing is, you know, I'm not the type of guy to sit in a cubicle and build battle cards. I'll lose my mind. I, I need to talk to customers. <laughs> I need to get out. I need to go to conferences. I need to talk to customers. I need to be on deals. And I think that's one thing else is that sometimes individuals, they need to just get out and, you know, get uncomfortable, go to conferences, talk to people about what they're using for products, get on deals, shadow deals, like actually just shadow conversations of what customers are asking. It's a great way of finding what, how customers are thinking and how they're thinking of the competition. And then the third thing, which I've always done is, especially in a technology organization, work with sales engineers. Sales engineers love competitive intelligence. I think I said this earlier. They're my competitive ninjas, right? They are the individuals who love competitive intelligence and they will tell you what's awesome about your competitive intelligence and they will absolutely tell you what's not great about your competitive intelligence. I think it's more important. And they'll tell you what's happening in the field. They'll tell you all this information. So I think one area for an individual starting with competitive enablement is Talk to those technical sales engineers. They have a ton of information and a lot of times they just want to be heard. That's a really good point. I've, I've heard that one of my first conversations actually was the solutions engineers are kind of this secret sauce to, yeah. to getting, getting really good competitive information, getting an expert view on like the validity of the competitive content. And they have a really good idea. They can understand, like you said, a lot of the competitive information can be very, it could get technical sometimes. And they're really good at kind of working through that portion and then helping 
make it more digestible and usable for reps that just need that quick talk track on the fly. Yeah. And, and I think also, you know, working with their, with the sales leadership too. I mean, like our sales engineer leader, Tim Jang, he's awesome and he's, he's all aboard. Right. And so making sure that you get these leaders um, on board, you know, Scott Lovett, our CRO, he's on board too. And like when they actually are excited about competitive intelligence and they get, um, you know, show the field it's important, then you see, you see a ton more, you know, uh, reps and sales engineers coming out and giving more feedback and giving more insights. Okay. Then my last question is what's that done for you when the CRO and sales leadership are recognizing the importance of competitive enablement? What has that done for you personally? Personally, it, it's been amazing. I mean, I've seen so much more interaction um, from people interacting with Clue. So they're actually going into Clue all the way from giving feedback of saying, Hey, this is where we're winning. This is where we're losing. Actually, giving me deals and saying, "Hey, this is a really great win loss that we need to be. We should be having a conversation with." And also, just giving feedback on, "Hey, Pat, this has been really powerful. Um, can we get more battle cards?" And as more people understand competitive intelligence, you're going to get a lot more requests. And so, it's also having to balance those requests as well. That's awesome, though. Visibility, exactly. Importance of your work. Nobody yeah. wants to. I think it's, nobody wants to be in a cubicle just whittling away battle cards that don't get used. Yeah. So that's a that's really awesome to see that the having that leadership visibility buying and proof of value is, is paying off in dividends. Pat, we touch a lot of things under the sun. Now, I think I'm going to have to get you on for some of these more unique use cases, like the HR stuff. I, that one kind of caught me off guard and I derailed the conversation a little bit going there, but we'll, we'll get you back on for that one. There's a ton of lessons here and I appreciate you taking the time. This has been great. Thanks for having me. How can, how can folks reach you? Uh, LinkedIn, Pat Wall, uh, reach out, reach out to me on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. And with that, we'll catch everyone next week.